0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick
1: in the 1991 NBA draft, the
2: Charlotte Hornets select. Larry Johnson from University. I'm not supposed of to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, you no, know, don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back.
3: All right, welcome in to another episode of Buzz Beat. It's Brian Geisinger. I'm joined by Lee tonight on the pod, and uh, Richie is backstage uh, producing, which we appreciate as per the usual. Uh, Lee, the Hornets did it; they they won a basketball game. Confetti and balloons are falling from the ceiling of my of my upstairs office right now. Um, but many said they couldn't do it, uh, including myself, and they went out and got it done. This really was. One of the best games Charlotte's played in some time against a quality opponent on the road, albeit a Cleveland team that was missing some guys. And uh, but they did they did get Darius Garland back tonight. He was uh, he was phenomenal, but the Cavs, and especially with Karis LeVert not playing, um, really showing just how devoid of secondary ball handling and creation they are. The Hornets. Pretty much control this thing wire to wire. They win 119 to 98, and they outscored Cleveland in every quarter tonight, including um, 38 31 in the first quarter. They hold Cleveland to only 18 points in uh, the second quarter. Kind of an interesting game for Charlotte's perspective because Lamella Ball played less than eight minutes. And did not make a field goal in this game. Uh, Just two points, two of two from the free throw line, 0 of three from the field. Foul trouble really um, hampering him and his availability. But the Hornets got big outings from a bunch of different guys off their bench, including uh, a little bit of timely shot making, from the new, newly acquired Isaiah Thomas about 24 hours ago. Um, and you don't have to tell him twice that he needs to shoot the basketball. So uh, uh, IT4 with 10 points off the bench on 4 of 11 shooting. So, Lee, initial thoughts on this win uh, that the Hornets desperately needed and got um, while Lamella Ball sat for 40 minutes on the bench in this game?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think the first thing to say is – uh, the Charlotte Hornets are undefeated with Isaiah Thomas, which which really <laughs> makes you think. I mean, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, look, <Well>, any, <laughs> anyone lose again? Who's to say? I mean, who's to say? Yeah, I, I
3: mean, anyone could have had this guy. You know, he was out there. Uh, there are a lot of teams were were missing uh, the missing piece, apparently with IT four. But
2: but, but in, in on a serious note, I mean, you're right. The Cavs were missing some personnel, but you know, so were the Hornets. And frankly, like. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you would agree with this, like beating the Cavs with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in their front line, like, like Garland was awesome, but just those two guys and like the challenges that they present, particularly for the Charlotte Hornets, although those two guys present challenges for every team in the league, but particularly those type of players that the Hornets really can struggle with. um, The, Cleveland Cavaliers had only four offensive rebounds tonight, one for Allen, one for Mobley, Uh, something that has bit Charlotte uh, even recently, like Detroit hammered Charlotte on the boards uh, in that home loss. That was just uh, still really hurts, you know, particularly once you get this game, um, I think we all probably expected. Uh, what happened in Milwaukee happened in Milwaukee. They are just very, very good at basketball. Um, but that that Detroit, not, not to like, not to get what should be a happy podcast off on a bad note, but that Detroit loss stings, man, because we'd yeah. be 500 right now. Um, but just wanted to highlight like a couple things. And I'm sure we'll talk about IT a little bit more. The only other high level stuff I wanted to hit on was like massive win. One of the best played games of the years, I think of the year for the Charlotte Hornets. I think I wanted to mention the frontline thing. And then the only other thing I was going to lead off with was we got one of those explosive Kelly Oubre halves. Um, We know he's a super volatile offensive player, but when he has it going, it's one of the funnest things to watch about this team. Uh, Oubre, I believe he was four for six from three in the first half had 16 points in, in what felt like a blink of an eye. And that's, you know, the Hornets kind of jumped on the calves from the get go, like you said, and Ubre was a big part of that. So that, that's kind of where my, my, my mind goes, we can get a little bit more in the, in the nitty. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and like uh, what you said, like Allen is a, is a bad matchup for Charlotte. He has been yep. for some time now. And I'm sure that will con- this, this is going to be a team that for years, um, you know, that Mobley Allen front line is probably going to give the Hornets fits. And on the first play of the game tonight, it was like a, oh, here we go again kind of moment because Cleveland gets the tip. They run spread ball screen on literally the first possession. Charlotte traps. They put two on the ball. Allen dives. LaMelo slow to rotate on the backside. Uh, foul plus layup. Like it was like it was it, my my immediately. I'm thinking we're about to see this 12 more times tonight. And for the most part, Charlotte really did a a, a nice job mixing up defenses. We saw the zone uh, at times tonight. And, look, Darius Garland, incredible shooting touch. His control of, like, the mid-range game. I mean, he scores from every level. But, man, that – like, his, like, downhill uh, control the tempo game, but also, you know, being able to get into his own – like, is he going to shoot the floater or throw the lob to one of the you know the seven footers out there? Yep. just super impressive. He's scary good.
2: And, he's it, and kind it really one of those guys too that like, not that he's like an elite level shooter. He's a really good shooter, but it's yeah. just one of those guys where like when he shoots, it just feels like it's going in every yeah, time.
3: Every time. And um, and when Cleveland made the uh, was making a run and like you know later in the second half, he got red hot. And uh, Charlotte just made like enough plays. I- I'd say Thomas hit a big shot. I thought Kelly Uber after he cooled off shooting the ball, like still stuck his nose in and got a couple key rebounds on both sides of the court, including one offensive rebound and kicked out to Miles Bridges for a corner three. Again, Charlotte had a double 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 figure lead in the fourth quarter at this moment. But again, it was it was you were feeling some slippage, and just given how this season's going, given how Charlotte has struggled to protect leads, yep. uh, you know, LaMelo and foul trouble. It, it just, everything seemed like it was going to get shaky. Um, and, and, it, and it did. It certainly, uh, but Charlotte studied the tide. And then, you know, when Garland had to sit things, you know, really just sort of ended basically at like the six minute mark. But um, a couple other things that would thought you talked about Kelly Oubre, should probably yep. highlight Cody Martin's play off the bench. Oh, um, I thought,
2: Oh, so nice to have him back
3: really nice to have him back. I thought the Detroit game the other night, I said this in the, in the text thread with you and, and Spencer and Richie earlier. I thought the Detroit uh, game he was like so out of control defensively that it was it was like kind of awing to watch because it was just like it was so below the like Cody Martin state. And I don't, I don't want to talk about Cody Martin. Like he's, you know, Marcus smart defensively, <laughs> but like, he is a, he's a good defensive player and he like, he makes winning plays. And he was just like, I mean, missing assignments, over rotating. It, it was like not great, but tonight he was solid. Yep. And I, I thought his point of attack defense um, on Garland at times was key. And you can see at times like they, uh, you know, when Garland would get a matchup with Oubre or whatever or Rozier, he would look to light that up. Mm-hmm. And then there were other times, too, where Cleveland was just started running their offense to get Martin off of Garland when Charlotte was playing man and switching. And they went to a post up with Kevin Love. Uh, I think there was a post up for Mobley. But it's like you'll probably live with that, even though those are like good post up players. It's like the ball's no longer in Garland's hands. And now it's like, you know, a, a mid range post up probably probably going to live with that especially if you're like leading at the time too it's like at this point those are kind of the possessions you're you're willing to go for especially because you know cody's going to battle and contest but um i looked this up after the game i just thought the start like the four starters so bridges pj mason plumley Terry rosier and cody martin i thought that was a really solid lineup yeah for sure while i was watching check the stats after the game that lineup. Uh, so again, Cody, PJ, Mason, Miles, Terry, Rozier, seven and a half minutes tonight uh, with a team high plus 11. Um, yeah, that's pretty so good. it was one of Charlotte's most used lineups, and it was very important for them. Kelly, Oubre, Terry, Rozier, Miles, Bridges, Cody, Martin, Mason, Plumley. So the three starters of Rozier, Bridges, and Plumley, plus Martin, and Oubre off the bench, that lineup played five and a half minutes tonight, and they were plus 10 in those minutes. So again, I just thought the infusion of Cody Martin. He had a nice corner three at one point in this game, uh, that was big. We saw the activity as a cutter, but really it was just his. uh, It was his effort at the point of attack defensively, and not like you know. I mean, Darius Garland still scored 33 points on 22 shots, you know, but I do think he ate a little bit more easily. Uh, when he was able to scramble the matchups and get Cody Martin off of him or if if Cody was on the bench. So, weird game, you know, again LaMelo plays less than 8 minutes, doesn't make a shot, and Charlotte wins by 21 on the road against a, a good Cleveland team. And, you know, like LaMelo plays 8 minutes in this game and there's no Gordon Hayward and Charlotte still manages to score over in over 1.23 points per possession, um, in, in part because they really had a great game shooting the basketball from deep. Uh, in terms of non-crunch time numbers, if we're looking at cleaning the glass, uh, Charlotte, 17 of 38 from deep, 45%. Uh, and that includes 10 of 25 from above the break, 7 of 13 from the corners. Those are pretty good numbers. And Lee, you touched on this briefly, and I'll throw it back to you here. But Cleveland, with all of that size and power, Evan Mobley, uh, Jared Allen, that group, uh, just a fourteen percent offensive rebound rate. Uh, in you know, uh, like if you're if you're filtering out you know garbage time, basically. So Charlotte with an eighty-six percent defensive rebound rate, which is really really good. Probably one of their best defensive rebounding performances of the season. And then last guy I'd like to touch on. I thought Miles Bridges did a little bit of everything and had a really nice game. Six dimes, seven boards, a block, a steal, 15 points. He hit that big corner three off the kickout from Ubre, And there was one stretch to about the nine-minute mark. Uh, Charlotte called a timeout. And this is, again, this is when Garland's starting to really, like, catch fire. Borrego calls a timeout. Charlotte comes out of it. They get Cleveland into, like, a scramble situation. Miles Bridges gets downhill, attacks the rim. Jared Allen rotates down to the rim. And Bridges is able to elevate and sort of, like, hang and contort his body around Allen for a finish. And then on the next possession, literally yeah, the back next to time Back, down the floor, back yeah. to back. Now, now it's about eight minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. Bridges gets downhill, going to his left this time, um, which, you know, you see him do that, like, a little less frequently than, than going to his right but with the, the, I guess you would call it a layup, but that high, like arcing, al- incredible. A, almost like a half runner, half layup, but the touch with the left hand off the glass over the top of Jared Allen.
2: man, He, just, he just like consistently makes that shot. And it's such a, it like he makes it look fairly easy, but it's such a high level difficulty for an athlete like him. That's just flying through the stratosphere to put up this, like, like, touch finesse finish high off the glass he does it with both hands it's incredible I maybe we'll circle back a little I had a couple Cody Martin thoughts but is is James still with us as a speaker if so James we'd love to get your thoughts or you know any kind of big things you any big takeaways you had from tonight's game are you still with us James unfortunately i think I think, we,
3: I think we i think lee you and i were uh were talking a little too much about miles bridges and ended up, <laughs> that's all right so we we apologize cool. to a british buzz we would have loved to have gotten him in here yeah james is the man oh. but uh he's it's very late where he is right now as someone who is i believe six hours ahead of us and i'm looking at my clock here in raleigh and it reads 9:37 p.m so Uh, Yeah, James, we'll talk some other time. If
2: if anybody else um, wants to come up, I guess we have one right now. Um, Is Matt with us? Matt, go ahead and unmute uh, takeaways or questions about the game tonight.
4: Hey, guys. um, You see how much rebounding makes a difference. Uh, As you mentioned earlier, they held them to four offensive rebounds. Really, I think two of those were just late garbage time. So, really, two offensive rebounds the whole game uh, when things mattered against that team that's that's true. It has so, so much size. It, it gives you hope. It just seems so frustrating. You know, they, they play like these games that you don't know what they're doing out there. And then they, they don't play like this. Even against the one, you know, against the Raptors, it, it gives you hope that maybe they can go on a run and get back. They've lost a bunch, but they can just as easily win eight out of ten. Uh, and get back, you know, in the – I'd love to see him at least get in the seventh to get a home uh, play-in game. I think top six is probably out of reach. But in looking at the upcoming schedule, the next nine games are all, you know, you would say pretty, you know, winnable type games. I mean, they have the Boston and the Mavericks in there. But, you know, those are both at home. So maybe they can get one of those. But, uh, I mean, excited. You know, they they play that game with Lamello on the bench, you know, for most of the game. Uh, that was kind of interesting, too. Uh, I was listening to the radio broadcast, and it is kind of funny. Uh, you know, shout out Sam Farber does a great job on that, but uh, he, he mentioned, you know, this game, so the team seems to have to have something to, uh, you know, some adversity sometimes to get them to, to bring out the best in them. So that adversity was Lamelo on the bench with the early foul trouble, and uh, they came out and played great.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: Yeah, man. Love it. I love all those comments. Um, yeah. BG let's, let's talk a little bit about obviously Lamella was saddled with foul trouble early. That's something that like does rear its ugly head every now and then. It was something he struggled with particularly like early in the season, but it kind of put that to bed. We see it crop up a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. I would just like, I'll frame it this way and and we'll get your thoughts. Like I thought it was really kind of wild that the, you know, you alluded to it, IT's been on this roster for 24 hours and the, the the first game he's in a Charlotte Hornets Jersey is a game where all of a sudden we kind of like desperately need bench playmaking because Lamelo's in foul trouble all game. And he comes in and, you know, I, I, I do not, I, I we sh- we like, we should overreact to this, but we, we will try not to like, I think Isaiah Thomas is still a guy who is a 10-day contract guy for a reason right now in the NBA. But I do think there is like a niche fit here, at least from a from like a roster hole standpoint. And Rozier was awesome on the ball tonight. But just having one more guy off that bench that you can go to as a playmaker. And I guess the one subtle difference between IT and ish is that if you go under the screen on IT, he's fully capable of like shooting that pull-up three and Ish just isn't. So like, I don't know, I just thought that was really interesting that his first game ended up being a night where it's like, "Oh, like we need some bench playmaking, get in there."
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean you you said it. You took the words out of my mouth that I was about to say with the sort of like obvious comparison of of Ish and IT. You know, Ish is just like constant rim pressure and turning the corner in the pick and roll and you know, give the def- You know, he's not going to finish a lot of plays, but he can be the guy that sort of like starts the, the advantage chain, right? But coming off a ball screen or attacking a closeout or whatever. And um, you know, it I don't see, see as that. You know, I think if 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 he were that kind of advantage creator, even at his size, you'd see him. I mean, I know he's. Been, I know he's picked up, uh, he's played with a couple of teams this year and he's put up big numbers in the G league, et cetera, but you probably see him finding a, you know, at least like a deep bench rotation spot in the NBA um, somewhere. But you mentioned the pull-up shooting. He had a couple big shots for the Hornets tonight. It just, it speaks to like how desperate they were for uh, off the bench creation, yeah. right. Yeah. And in secondary creation. And especially with, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the deal with James Booknight is right now. Like, I don't know. Right. These yeah. are, these are, I mean, I know he got sent down to Greensboro, like towards the all-star break after he had the, um, you know, he got what he got kicked out during the all-star break. He got kicked out of a, a game at UConn, um, which was weird. Um, and you can also see with the Hornets as well. Like they're going so I mean, I, I should I should couch this by saying I haven't like looked at the numbers to see how uh, you know Bridges pick and roll creation and time on the basketball has shifted as the season. Like he's obviously played with it a lot this year, mm-hmm. but it does feel like in you know down the stretch against uh, Detroit and then tonight when they needed it, like you're just putting you know all these inverted ball screen actions with Bridges, right? And just like because he's the one guy that can get downhill and finish, you know, like he's, he's the guy. And, um, that's asking a lot for miles. Um, you know, he probably can't quite do that every night. I do think we talked about this maybe a couple episodes ago with, with regards to bridges. I I think Spencer and I talked about this, but just like, I think the next step for him is going to be, i mean, obviously like solidify the three point shot or, you know, find, you know, fine, left some level with that. But it's going to be like, the, it's going to be like the mid-range game for him. Mm-hmm. You saw him take that little step back, you know, long two tonight. and He missed it badly. Like, he just never had that. As good as he is, like as like a downhill driver and creative finisher, and, you know, the, the three point three point shots been up and down, but there's some level of trust out there, I suppose. But it, it just, there's basically nothing in terms of like long mid-range. And if Bridges is going to be like a guy that you try to close games with, it really feels like that's something he's got to be able to do. If that is going to be the player he becomes. like, he's already a, a really nice offensive player. Like without that, it's just if they're going to lean on him to be like a, you know, crunch time, you know, run the offense through like that's, that's probably going to be a piece he's going to um, have to add because he's not, he's not Giannis. He can't just get to the rim every time he, when he, like when he pleases, right. You know, it's not, he's not that, but I, I thought some good stuff with bridges playing on the basketball in in this game did you have any thoughts on anyone else anyone else today yeah. tonight pj did some good stuff Plumley, yeah. i battled you know anything any other loose thoughts
2: that was I, the one thing i wanted to get in um before we wrap here was man i mean and we've we've talked about pj a lot this year from many different angles i do think like even in this uh, downstretch, I think, to put it mildly for the Hornets over the past, you know, three weeks or whatever you want to call it. Like, I do think that PJ's value is still really shining through, yeah, particularly defensively, man. Like, I, I feel like he continues to improve defensively
4: Guards may, everybody,
2: guards, guards, everybody just like can be a brick wall for like uh, opposing guards and wings that are, that are getting downhill towards the basket. And PJ just rotates in and like stonewalls them. He had a couple, uh, again, a super disappointing loss, but PJ had a couple massive defensive plays late in that Detroit game. He seems to just have a knack for that. Like you can even go all the way back to early in the season when he had a really great late game isolation, defensive possession against Sabonis when Sabonis tried to make a a game winning shot along the baseline and he just covered him fantastically. Like he just has this knack for making really timely, important defensive plays. He's obviously super versatile. His three point shooting has come down just a little bit. He's hovering around like 36, 37% where he's been at 40 at different times this year. Um, He still, I think he still can be frustrating with the total hesitancy and lack of interest of like putting the ball on the floor and attacking the basket at all. But yeah, man, I just, I've been really encouraged uh, with just kind of his like defensive know-how and makeup over the past couple weeks. So that was my last little thought I wanted to get in, Brian, if you've got anything else before we wrap, I think we just wanted to uh, thank a couple of the listeners, your final thoughts and let's, let's wrap it.
3: Yeah. He had PJ. Had, I did think had two like late in the first quarter uh, with like a, you know, like, under, you know, under 90 seconds to play at two nice, like rim drives, one isolation versus love. The other one, like a mm-hmm. pick and pop that he attacked to close out. He was five of five shooting tonight hit both of his threes. Um, you mentioned the Sabonis play from, I mean, that probably was from like October. Or November. Yeah, that was real early, but we've seen him have some nice matchup possessions against Giannis Pascal Siakam when they beat the Raptors the other night he really does a nice job against some of those bigger, like hybrid front court, you know, three and a half, four and a half, those kinds of players. Um, he's strong enough and long enough. And like, he has the ability. Sometimes I mean, he really will get in the stance like in a way that like no one else, the, the he had this one isolation defense position against Giannis when they played in, in December. where like, he got as low as a defender could possibly get just to like, make make sure that the, the mid post catch that Giannis got to start the possession was as far from the basket as he could, which is like, I don't know if that's 50% of the battle versus Giannis one-on-one or if that's 40 or or 90, like, I don't know what it is, but it's some percentage of the battle with Giannis. Right. And just being like willing to to get in that stance and grind and, and make that tough. And I, I do think he's even in some of these crappy glosses recently, like Detroit, Milwaukee, thought some, some nice, uh, you know, switching out and being on guys like Kate Cunningham or Chris Milton or whoever, he just guards a lot of positions. And it does bring me back to this thing that we talked about a while ago, and this will be the last thing. And then we're going to, we're going to wrap it, wrap it up here. Maybe, maybe touch on the next couple of games, just, just to like look at the schedule physically, but would be when the Hornets were playing pretty well earlier in the season, but the defense was flirting with like being worse than the NBA. One of the things we talked about possibly as I'm fumbling my phone was if they how, what's one, what's one way they could maybe improve the defensive, this, the, the team overall team defense. One of the things we pitched was starting this is before they acquired Montrose Harrell, but it was starting PJ Washington at center. Now, Mason Plumlee's starting at center still, but with Gordon Hayward out, they've moved PJ to this starting four role. And I mean, I'll, you know, the defense has been bad like, like in general. Um, it still hasn't been like great, although much better tonight. I just think like having that defensive presence from PJ, either at the four or at the five, that helps. It's just like a good thing to have on the court. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do, if, and when Gordon Hayward comes back, I mean, like, obviously he's going to play a lot. I assume he'll start. I do kind of wonder if like they would do a thing, we, we, an idea that we pitched early this season, which would be, maybe you could sell it to Gordon when he's coming back from an injury, which would be keep this starting lineup intact and bring Gordon off. You know, Gordon's still going to play 30 minutes or whatever, but uh, you know, Gordon comes in and, and runs the second unit. You know what I mean? He plays a, a Closes games. He plays in a lot of games with the starters, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you keep this, this Bridges, PJ, uh, mixture going. We'll see. That's, that's, we got a ways to go before we get to that. We still don't even have a timetable on Hayward's return. So who knows? Maybe we won't even see him this season. But uh, when Matt came on with us, he talked about the next couple of games. The Hornets, um, they're off for two straight days. That's something Eric Collins brought up on the broadcast. They don't play again until Saturday uh, as they host San Antonio then they're off for two more days after that, and they get back in action Tuesday, March 8th. That's also in Uptown uh, against uh, the Nets. You know, who, we'll see who will be on the court for Brooklyn in that game. And then the, the day after that, back-to-back against, um, you know, a, a red-hot Celtics team. So let's see what Charlie can do. Brooklyn is a team that's stacked up with them at the, you know, in that, that 8, 9, 10 range, as is Atlanta. And so those are, those are some big games for Charlotte coming up, but good that they'll be able to get a little bit of rest here. And yeah, anyways, for those of us who who joined in Twitter spaces with us that requested to speak, Matt, James, we appreciate that. Big win again for the Hornets tonight. And uh, we just wanted to celebrate that a little bit and and hop on here with a a quick post game pod. So uh, this has been Brian joined by uh, Lee Richie, as always, doing a terrific job producing this. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.